The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Testing. Testing. One, two, three, testing. Is this thing on? Ryan, are you there? Yes, I am here in June when the summer weather is nice and beaming down. I am here. It has been coming up on two months since we did our last show. So do you remember how to do this, Ryan? Remember? You you know what you're doing? Oh, it could be rough, dude. I, 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 don't, I can't make any promises. Uh, and we have no shortage of things to talk about. The We are on the other side of the NHL draft. Just took place this weekend. Tons of Leaf news coming out of the weekend. But before we get into all that, let's discuss some of the happenings of the two months that we haven't been doing shows. So since this is a hockey show, let's start with Tyler Bozak and Carl Gunnarsson. And the rest of the St. Louis Blues defeating the Boston Bruins in seven games to win the Stanley Cup. Ryan, did you watch the finals? What are your thoughts on the Blues? What are your thoughts on the Bruins? Lay it on me. I did take a peek at the finals, but there was another team in Toronto that was playing about the same time as that Stanley Cup final. So it took a little bit of a backseat in my priority of uh, viewing but I am just elated that the St. Louis Blues sent Brad Marchand crying. Crying, crying, crying. I loved it. And that they're image a great of hockey Marsh- team. That image of crying Marchand will live on forever in infamy. Oh, yeah. That was just the, all worth it to me. Like, the, the Bruins are an unbelievable hockey team. Like, there's no two ways about it. I thought they kind of slipped through the East in one of the easiest roads to the to the cup final i've ever seen but to see them just blow it at home and lose to a a great hockey team a team that was tough almost like the blues were tougher than the bruins they could match them at every level good goaltending so i am pumped that the st louis blues can call themselves stanley cup champions for the first time in their franchise history i'm gonna agree with you on that i couldn't be happier for the st louis blues as an organization for their fan base it was excellent i like your point about the bruins losing at home just all that much sweeter congratulations to the st louis blues i think a worthy and deserving cup champ and i could i couldn't be happier for them like honestly i couldn't be happier for them yeah, and there they are. They are the prime example of the parody in the National Hockey League. How you could just be crap for the first half of the season and then turn on a switch and hoisting the Stanley Cup a couple months later. Now, last but not least, certainly not least, you alluded to it earlier. The Toronto Raptors are your 2019 NBA champions, Ryan. They won the whole thing. This was certainly helped take the sting off the disappointing finish to the Leaf season. 
uh, you know what? I, let me just, I've been very vocal about this on social. So let me just, let me just say this here. Okay. I just turned 31 years old last week. I was four and five when the Blue Jays won their back-to-back World Series championships. I don't remember it. I didn't watch it. I'm sure I did watch it, but I have no recollection of anything that happened, right? I was a young, small child. This Raptors playoff run that they just went on, I cannot put into words just the fun, the excitement, the epicness, the emotional roller coaster ride, so many incredible moments, so many highs, some lows. It was it was unbelievable, man. The the second round series against Philly through the East Finals against the Bucks to the finals against the reigning NBA dynasty, well now dethroned NBA dynasty Golden State Warriors. It was absolutely incredible and I urge you my fellow Toronto sports fans don't take this for granted. Celebrate every inch of this. Buy the shirts. Buy the hats. Party about it all summer. Talk about it all summer. Honestly, like, I cannot stress that enough. That is something that we may never see again. That epic run and the performances by Kawhi Leonard and the performances by some of the role guys like Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka... And like just just absolutely incredible and I cannot I, I cannot put into words how awesome it was to be a part of that I'm sure everyone listening to this was out at the parade and was out partying the Thursday night after they clinched it's just I, I can't say enough about it Ryan yeah you, you basically hit on every point that I was gonna make just an unbelievable playoff run and there's a lot of hockey fans a lot of Leaf fans who just became huge basketball fans. And there's going to be a lot of talking raps podcasts popping up everywhere because everyone is all Raptors right now. And one thing that Toronto Maple Leaf players can learn watching that playoff run, if they did watch it, if they were keeping tabs on it, is if you go down in a game or a series, like you just got to keep with it, man. You can't put on that sucky poo-poo face, that baby face, that... Sometimes the Leafs are accustomed to putting on when they go down at a hockey game. Like you, this team, Kawhi Leonard, his mentality and the way it wore off on every single player on that roster. That's something a guy like Austin Matthews can take note of, or Morgan Riley can take note of. Like just that that run, that run the Raptors went on was just one of the most entertaining couple weeks I've ever experienced in my life, and I hope that the Maple Leafs players were watching that and getting inspired by it because it was just, it was magical, magical. Before we move on from the raps, your prediction on the future of Kawhi Leonard. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the 50-50 boat. The, I'm in the 50-50 with the Clippers and the raps. I know like he's taken meetings with a couple other teams, but I think it's a 50-50. Good sign. The guy's hanging around Toronto right now. Hanging around, went to, was in Niagara Falls at the Jays game, been a couple other places. That's good news, but you can't. One thing John Tavares has taught us: you can't underestimate the power of going back home. A hundred percent agree. So I do. I, I I am feeling optimistic about Kawhi Leonard's future as a Raptor, but I agree with your Tavares example. Yeah. So let's just hope for the best. I think that was the that was the best 
first year impression you're ever going to give a basketball player. So if he decides he wants to move on, then we did all that we could, and at least we got a title out of it. All right, Ryan, let's get into it. I We proposed earlier in the season that we should change the name of this podcast from Talking Buds to Talking Contracts because we got a whole summer ahead of contract talk, baby. Are you ready? That's Oh, dude, that's what this league is now. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's all it is year round. Contracts, contracts, contracts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're about to get into it. So, as I said earlier, we are out, come out the other side of the NHL draft. And Ryan, without a doubt, the biggest Leaf related story of the weekend is the Toronto Maple Leafs have traded Patrick Marlowe, a 20. 20- 20 conditional first round pick and a 2020 seventh round pick in exchange for a 2020 sixth round pick. Did you get all that, Ryan? Yes, I got all that. And what that Hall says to me is, please take this player off our hands. Please. We should note that the condition on the first round pick that the Leafs sent to Carolina is that it is lottery protected. So if they're picking in the top 10, the pick will shift to 2021. So so even though Dubas had to give up the first round pick, I thought that was a nice little piece of business there to put the condition on it. Yeah, I, I had guys messaging me being like, what do you think of this trade? I, th- I thought it was a bit of a, a ripoff. And I'm like, dude, th- Kyle Dubas was calling 31 other hockey teams, 30 other hockey teams begging begging for them to take this guy off their hands you want to buy him out after fine but just we can't retain any of this salary just please take it we'll give you we'll give you draft picks to take this contract off our hands and they finally found a team that was willing to do it the, the expectation is that the hurricanes will now buy out the remainder of Patrick Marlowe's contract and he'll be free to sign with whomever he'd like to sign the likely team likely scenarios that he will go back to the San Jose Sharks however it is reported the hurricanes are going to put a sales pitch on him to try and see if he wants to stay and play there for a year probably not going to happen no but- i i heard the it's either sharks or uh, i'm done that's that's the vibe i'm getting from patty marlowe well, let's talk a little bit about Patty Marlowe, Ryan. He he was we we were hard on him. We were as hard on him as anyone. Did not have a great season. He was a frequent recipient of our bum of the week reward. But you can't say anything negative about the guy as a person. No, absolutely not. And that's all the great messages that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner were sending out and all the other Leaf players, Nazem Kadri, about Patrick Marlowe's character and how great it was on and off the ice with the guy. Taught him a lot. But that means nothing to me as a fan. I want to see... Like, he was done. Last year, it, he was a... He's a fourth liner now. Like, like on his best night, he's a third liner. Like... Lou, that was one of Lou Lamorell's worst contract signings. I don't know what he was doing. I'd like to point out that the Leafs' two contracts that they're trying to get rid of this summer, well, one they've now gotten rid of in Marlowe, and the other, Nikita Zaitsev, both of which were signed by Lou Lamorello. In both those deals, it's like, what are you doing, Lou? Like, what are you doing? Like, now it's just, now we're cleaning up that mess. And Lou made a couple good deals too, but 
the, those two contracts are just been brutal for the production you get out of the guys. And, and now it's up to Dubas to, to move those deals. And then he has a bunch of other deals he has to deal with as well. I'm going to say deal one more time, but it's just Patrick Marlowe was a hockey player. That's just, he's hit the end of the road and he's got to go. And he did. And I'm happy. Yeah, and no, nothing but praise for the guy on a personal level. His leadership that he brought to this young group of guys, I'm sure, will resonate with them for the rest of their careers. And he was sort of he was invaluable in that regard in the the leadership that he provided. So you could say that about a lot of guys, though. So it's a nice little feel good story. But let's get a guy who's hungry, who's going to forecheck harder, who's going to put in a more effective sixty minutes. A night compared to what Patty Marlowe was putting in last year. So, well, Ryan, that's actually a fantastic segue because I want to say about an hour to an hour and a half after the uh, Marlowe deal was made official, Bob McKenzie tweeted, "Quote: Toronto more or less has an agreement in place with Casperi Capitan on an extension." Not expected to formalize until Tor Cap Marner's situation is clarified. It will be a three-year deal with an average annual value of three point two to three point four million range. Ryan, your thoughts on that? I think it's great awareness by Casbury Capitan and his agent that this is how much I'm worth. That and they and they know how much he's worth, and they're not going to try and stiff Kyle Dubas for more money because. There's been a lot of that going on over the past year. Oh, we're gonna, we're years. gonna, we're gonna get into that. We're gonna. So, don't you worry. We're gonna get into that, bud. So I gotta give Capitan and his camp credit for saying, sitting down and being realistic about their situation. Because if me and you were to sit down and kind of throw out numbers there for Capitan, like I'm, I'm in the three million dollar range, and and when I see that number, I'm like, yes, like that. That's that's great awareness and and research by. Kaplan and his camp to know that his comparables around the league and the way he fits into this hockey team and the current salary cap situation that this is a deal I need to sign and this is how much I'm worth. So I was elated to see those numbers. Ryan, it doesn't end there. Bob McKenzie later tweet, tweeted that the Leafs have a formal agreement in place with Kaplan and also a formal agreement in place with Andreas Janssen at an AAV of three point four million on a four year deal. Your thoughts on that? Same kind of the same thing, but where I get a little eh on this is last year we talked a lot about like is it gonna be like one or the other? Because they're kind of the same hockey player. They're good at different things, but in terms of the production they bring to your hockey team, very, very similar hockey players. So it's kinda like you sign both, I guess. Like you know what, they're both good hockey players. So you want to sign them, and if they're not asking for crazy money, you do it. And, but yeah, it's and, just... and given the situation they're in with having to sign all their big dogs to these huge contracts, th- these are these are nice bargain type deals, and you're going to have to surround your Matthews, your Tavares, your Nylanders with cheap talent. And sure, these are still three point two and three point four million dollar deals, but to your point, they're they're fair market value contracts, and so you can't. The Leafs have to play this so carefully, and I'm happy with where these two players are coming in financially. Yeah, but it's at the at the end of the day, the thing that makes me the most upset about the Leafs going into next season is when I see a quote from Kyle Dubas saying. 
we believe we can improve our defense internally. That, what? Are you kidding me? He's living in fantasy land if he thinks that's the case. So when I mention either Kapanen or Janssen, like re-signing, like one or the other, it's because I want to go bolster this blue line elsewhere. If you think you can improve your blue line internally, you're living in fantasy land, Kyle. Like, well, you're not Ryan, going anywhere. Look at, Ryan, look at the cup champ St. Louis Blues. And exactly. Look line. at the Boston Bruins. Their yeah. top six is unbelievable. And it's like, dude, we can't, we can't be banking on guys in the Marlies who are 19, 20 years old to step in and play big roles. Like, your, your defense is awful. You can't win a thing. Like, oh. So it's just like, let's be careful with how much we fill up this forward depth. Because we need guys on the blue line, or else we're not doing anything. Well, right. The bonus of these deals, these Kapanen and Janssen deals, is that if if in a year or two you decide, you know what, this isn't really working out, these are tradable contracts. Yeah, I, 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 I just went off, off a little bit of a tangent there. Like, I know it's better to just get these guys done, and then you can do whatever you want with them after. They don't have, like, no-move clauses or verbal agreements saying I won't trade you like he did with another European hockey player but it's just like I I, I, I'm just I saw that quote the other day and I was like are you are you kidding me like you you're living in a fantasy land and I can't and Brendan Shanahan like is is at his back on that like oh oh that's my biggest beef going into this offseason man like let's talk a little bit of something Let's talk a little more about the defense. Uh, one thing I did really want to touch on that happened in the two months that we haven't done a show is it's been reported that Nikita Zaitsev has asked for a trade. And as you dig a little deeper on this and you read the quotes coming from Nikita Zaitsev, especially the one where he took a run at Don Cherry, it's becoming... Zaitsev had a tough year. Like, he he... Part of it wasn't his fault when the head coach keeps shoving him over the boards, but he didn't he didn't have the best year, and the fans really got on him. You've talked multiple times on the show about how this market chews defensemen up and spits them out. And you can tell that a huge reason why Nikita Zaitsev does in fact want to leave is because I don't think he likes the pressure cooker that is Leafs Nation. And I think it's stressed him out, and I think he wants out. And listen, I'm all for it. I think Zaitsev stinks. I said all year that he stinks. I'm not a fan. The puck on his stick is just like, it's a it's a bomb waiting to happen when he has the puck on his stick. So I'm okay with it. Your thoughts on Nikita Zaitsev wanting a trade? Well, I thought it was Christmas morning when I heard that. I was like, when does this ever happen? Your two, what are your two worst contracts, Marlowe and Zaitsev? Both of them want out. It's like that. When does that ever happen? Where a team and a player? Well, I don't think Marlowe. I don't think Marlowe wanted out. I think he's smart enough to look at the situation and look what's going on with the Leafs RFAs and go. As long as I'm here, they can't afford to pay these guys. So I'm gonna try and and move on. Which, like, again, tip tip your cap to the guy, but. Zaitsev, on the other hand, he wants out, and I think, for what I just said, I think it has everything to do because they, to your point about the blue line being awful, they'd keep him for all the, they need him. Yeah, I like, can't believe I, I just I, said that, but I like, know, they, exactly. they need I know. Him. It's it's like you want out and you want to get rid of the contract, but like you go on, uh, you go look at their defensive depth chart and the guys they've had, they have in the organization. It's like 
as much as he stinks, like he, he's better than any other option they have down there or anywhere else. So it's it's kind of a tough situation. But if a guy wants out and he's got a brutal contract and you could somehow move that, then you know what? Like we'll take another hit. The blue line's already going to stink anyways. So get rid of Zaitsev. How how much more bad could it be getting rid of Nikita Zaitsev? Like, As of today, Sunday, June twenty third, the Leafs' defense is Morgan Riley. Jake Muzzin, Nikita Zaitsev, who's asked for a trade, Travis Dermott, who'll be coming off surgery, and Callie Rosen. Yeah, I and, know. And, and then like, you're, now we're you're looking at now we're looking at Rasmus Sandin. It's like the guys have one year in the A. Like yeah. let's chill here. Like, and Timothy Lilligren. Yeah, who also is is probably not ready. So we gotta chill here and we gotta go out and make a move. Like, let's stop with this internal crap. That that means when I hear internal is the is the solution that's the, i i just think a loser like you're a loser then because it's not good enough like uh you gotta ugh. think that dubas knows that ryan i know and it's like dude like i love i love austin matthews i love mitch marner i i i, I love john Tavares. like as hockey players when i'm watching them they're very good hockey players they're guys that you want to build a team around and and put in your cornerstones for your franchise. But it's like, we are too loaded up front. Like, we are way too loaded up front. And we need help on the back. Because it's awful. Well, this it's- is where you've heard. There's been rumors all weekend that the Leafs were in on P.K. Subban. I heard that they were talking about um, Robbie Fabry. Um, Nazem Kadri is a player who we've heard for weeks now the Leafs are shopping. Which, are you surprised to hear that? Because I'm not surprised to hear that at all. Like, he... If you if you're looking for a defenseman, he's a perfect trade chip because he's a center on a good contract. And so the fact that Kadri's being shopped tells me that Dubis is aware of the problem with the defense and he is trying to rectify it by moving an asset like like Nazem Kadri. Yeah, and, and and when you get suspended two years or two years in a row in the playoffs and hamper your team and have a complete mediocre year last year then your name should be out there and you shouldn't be surprised. But again, you trade Nazem Kadri and you don't get a center back. Freddie the Goat's your third line center. Yeah, I know. They're in a mess. Man. Like, dude, they're, it's, they're a, a, it's mess. a disaster. Like, don't it's worry. A, the salary cap situation is an absolute disaster. Well, this like, is why when we get into our uh, next segment here coming up, block two. I've got a few things to say about Mitchie and Paul Marner where it's like if you want to sign an offer sheet, go right ahead. Because that takes that gives us all that cap room and that money that we would give to you. Anyways, we'll get into that on the other side here. But yeah, I'm a with you. The salary cap is an absolute disaster. It's a, like, and some people love it. Like the business of sport fans, like it is interesting. But the on the other hand, it's like, oh my god, like you can't just go make a deal to make your team better. Like there's so many moving parts. It's, it is. It, it is yeah, frustrating. Dude, like look what look what Nashville just had to do with PK Subban. Trade him for nothing. Because they just need the cap room. See a PK. We'll take a bunch of bums from the Jersey Devils because we can't handle your nine million dollar contract anymore. Because we want to do other things and sign other guys. Like it's, it's not even the Leafs. Like this whole league is just strapped. Like and it's just you got to get rid of some guys that you like for nothing just to open up some room. And you better you better be right about the guys you're spending your money on. Because if you're not, you're in big trouble, huge trouble. All right couple little tidbits here of 
other goings on while we haven't been around. Um, DJ Smith is the new head coach of the Ottawa Senators. Um, Jim Hiller has been given permission to talk to other teams and explore other options. Ryan, do you see Jim Hiller not being back as well and two new guys on the sides of Mr. Babcock going into next season? I'm just trying to think of teams that need a coach right now. I, I think now that I think you might see Hiller back unless Babcock wants an all new assistant staff. Do you think but, it is Babcock though? Like, what do you I, mean by that? like, do you think it's Babcock? That's like, I, I'm, do you think there's been a discussion with Dubas and Shanahan being like, we got to change something. This isn't working. And Hiller was the run running that God awful power play last year. Yeah, I, I, I know what. I, it's just like what, what is it? What is assistant coach really? If you bring in a new assistant coach, like how big of a difference it's gonna make? Like you know Mike Babcock, you know the ego. He, he's running the show. He's got the last say on everything. I, it's, it's just to me, it's just Mike and and who else is around him means nothing to me. So I'm happy for DJ Smith that he got some recognition and got a job. Even though, good luck. Good luck in that job, Bod. Like, <laughs> I whoa. know, like of all jobs you're gonna take, you're gonna yeah, take that, that one. Yeah, yeah, like it's almost like it's almost one thing I learned from Dallas Eakins taking the job in Edmonton is sometimes it's better to not take a, your first head coaching job with a with a crap organization because Dallas Eakins finally got his second coaching job again, and it took him a lot of hard work and time to get that. So DJ, good luck, Bud, because it's gonna be a rough ride with a crazy owner. And a goofy general manager. <laughs> he took the words right out of my mouth. He is a goof, isn't he? He looks like a goof. Yeah, like just... Yeah, yeah. Like, every time um, I look at him, that's what goes through my head is... Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Goof. Oh, my God. Hilarious. How's it going, everybody? Thank you very much for downloading the show. If you want to interact with us further, you can follow us on Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talking Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and YouTube. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Join the Talking Buds fan club. We really appreciate it. Now, now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Ryan, it is time for the main event. The main reason we are here today to talk on episode 29 of the Talkin' Buds podcast, Mitchell Marner, Paul Marner, and Darren Ferris are currently waging a negotiating war against Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leaf management team. We don't quite know specifics, although one thing we do know is that Darren Dreger is the source in which Marner's camp is using to leak information to the media. But we do know that Marner is looking for in and around the same deal that Austin Matthews got. This is quite the polarizing topic amongst Leaf Nation when it comes to Marner v. Matthews and the contracts for both of those players. It also came out over the weekend that Mitch Marner's camp is willing to meet 
with other teams during the RFA negotiating window starting on Wednesday. Ryan, where to begin with all this? Let's start with Mitchell's contract demands and now the threat for an offer sheet. It's very clear to me that these agents, after the Nylander and Matthews contract negotiations, think Dubas can break if you play hardball, and that's what I see happening here. Well, I think this all starts the day John Tavares signs for $11 million. That is when this all started. This contract craziness with the numbers that these guys are getting paid. That's when it all started. Whatever you think about John Tavares, you can think of it. But that's when it started. And then, and then the genius Kyle Dubas decides he's going to play hardball with William Nylander. Probably one of the most hated Maple Leaf players on the roster right now. Uh, you know what? Mitchie's, given the way these negotiations are going, Mitchie's creeping up that list. So one of the most hated hockey players in the roster, William Nylander, decides he's going to play hardball because he wants more money and whatever else he wants. So they drag it all the way out to the last day. And then Kyle Dubas decides to absolutely screw himself for maybe the rest of his general managing career with the Toronto Maple Leafs by giving in to a hockey player who provided them absolutely nothing for the rest of the year once he signed that contract. He gave in and gave him a deal that was too much and he should have just let him sit out the season. But no, he couldn't do it because he made a promise on a podcast to Elliot Friedman saying we can and we will sign all these guys. So he made a stupid decision by signing that contract at the term and the money for William Nylander, who was useless after that. And then, after that, he was so scared of it happening again that he immediately signed, well, not immediately, but during the season, signed Austin Matthews to a five-year deal? Five years for your franchise player? At 11.36 or whatever it was? So he does that, and then what does that leave for Mitch Marner, what impression does that leave for his agent and his camp? Is Mitch Marner being a little greedy? Yes, because if you look at the comparables around the league, guys are making less than $11 million as wingers, like Nikita Kucherov, Mark Stone, and his comparable Miko Rantanen, who's actually had better statistical seasons than Mitch Marner's had. He'll probably land in that same range too. So Marner looks a little greedy, but... I'm looking at Kyle Dubas being like, what are you doing, man? Like, so you, you kind of created the, uh, this. He's kind of created this whole situation for himself. So you're taking the stance that Dubas did this to himself. I think so. I think if he, if if you really go back and you sit down and be like, did we really, really, really need John Tavares? Like, was he a necessity? And I don't know that answer yet, to be honest with you, because it's only I, been I mean, one year. Anytime, Ryan, you get you have an opportunity to sign an elite player in the league and you're able to, I, I do that. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say if I was in Dubas' shoes at the time, I would have said no because the long-term cap ramifications. Like, yeah. no. If I was in his shoes and the Tavares thing happened, absolutely I would sign that deal. But you had to know as soon as you signed that deal that your other franchise center that everyone just loves and can't stop talking about is one of the best players in the league. He wasn't taking any less than Johnny T. Like, there's there's no way. 
So I don't understand how you could like what other hockey team has two eleven million dollar players right now? None, none, none in the league, none. And look at the teams that just went to the Cup final. Don't have a player even making nine million. Like did not even not even ten million. Like well, we've talked about this a lot, right? That the Leafs are at the forefront of this new NHL where you're paying guys before they've ever really done anything. Like these these guys are getting paid based on two first round losses to the Boston Bruins. Yeah. John Tavares excluded from that, obviously. But I, I think I don't like there's gonna be guys who are young who are gonna sign big deals worth a lot of money. Look look, look what Jeff Skinner just signed in Buffalo for. Jeff Skinner's done nothing. And he, he was on a crap team last year and he had some pretty good success and they signed him to a boatload of money. So I get it. Like players are gonna get more money. Your top players are gonna want more money. But it's just this situation you've created in your salary cap by bending for William Nylander is is like it's just been agents smell blood in the water now. And I don't blame Mitch Marner's camp for just taking every avenue possible to try to get Kyle Dubas to bend one more time because he has both contracts he's signed so far for Austin Matthews well, and he, William Nylander. He's put himself in a position now where he cannot bend on the Marner contract. Exactly. Like, if, you're, if you're going to pay Marner, Ryan, what are you giving him? Because apparently he is in the same sort of thing as Matthews where he doesn't want to sign a max term contract. Which I, which is like, you know what, Austin Matthews, he didn't want a long term. Like you, you had to get Matthews done. I get it, but it's just, it's just the numbers that are just like, like what you should have let Williams sit out the year, man. Like that just that set out that set the worst precedent for how he deals with contracts because we we could sit here all day. I'm not even talking about like what you would the compensation for an offer sheet. Like that's a different conversation. To me, it's just Kyle Dubas needs to look himself in the mirror and be like, I created this for myself. This is this is my doing. And it, it's going to be, he's going to have to make a really, really tough decision. It's either going to be sign him to a big deal and you're going to have basically four hockey players on your team and a bunch of bums for the next couple of years. That's basically what it's going to be. Yeah, I, uh, I don't disagree with that. But let, let's talk the here and the now and let's talk about how this is all going to play out. So Marner's going to meet with other teams. If you're, if I'm Kyle Dubas, and if you're Kyle Dubas, to your point, this is where he has to draw his line in the sand. And you've got to come at Marner and say, we're going to pay you $10 million or whatever it is for six years, and that's it. Because, in my opinion, he's... They have, the Leafs have the hammer here. They have the leverage because the compensation for an offer sheet is Mitch Marner is I I don't think Marner's getting an offer sheet because Mitch Marner is not worth four first round picks and what team like I'm trying to you got to look around the league too I I had this conversation with someone the other day like who has the cap space to to sign him to over 10 million I'm sure there's a hockey team out there who would absolutely love to have a franchise turning kind of hockey player on with Mitch Marner but there's only a couple of teams. You, you could probably narrow it down it's just by doing four a little first round. Right. That's four first round picks. That's why I'm which, saying, which is the highest currency. About, everyone it's the was highest currency. Yes. Everyone was all upset about, um, Marlowe and the Leafs having to throw a first round pick into that trade. And I'm like, why Mitch and Paul Marner are going to make sure that we get four first round picks coming up pretty soon. It's like, he's not worth that. 
Like, he's just not worth that. And if you're a general manager, like, if that's what I say, I'm like, here, 10 million, six years, and that's being generous for a scoring winger. Like, the Matthew comparables, like, get out of here, okay? Matthews is a big elite centerman, Mitch. You're not. Not taking away from anything Mitch Marner has done in the years he's been here and what a great player he is and how we glow about him and how he can be a a force, especially in the offensive zone, and I like his 200-foot game, etc., 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 but he's not worth four first-round picks. So this is where you draw your line in the sand and you say, here's your contract, and unless you're calling me to say we're ready to accept it, don't call me. Go sign an offer sheet. We will gladly take that compensation, or you can sit at home. And if someone wants to offer you nine and a half, we'll match that. Yeah, perfect. 100%. Exactly. 100%. And I get a little upset, like, at first you're like, oh, like it kind of sucks, Marner, like, he'd have to leave, like, he's a franchise-turning player. But if I go back to my point earlier in the podcast, this team needs defensemen. Yes. Like, at some point, you're going to have to sacrifice someone you love to get someone on the back end to help out Morgan Riley. This is what I keep saying. It's like, guys, like, it's not like you're getting, like, nothing in return if he signs an offer sheet. You're getting four first-round picks. It's 2015 Blue Jays fan syndrome. Let's get attached to every single player we love that's played here and done well at some point. I don't point. see that, though, right? Like, I, the people are really really starting to turn on the Marner camp on social. I see a lot of pissed off Lee fans at the fact that he would even entertain going and talking to another team. And, and I like feel I like said, why people are, are ups, like they don't care as much either is like, look at the outcome they've had the past three years. Exactly. It's like, maybe this isn't good enough. No, like maybe you got to try something else. Agreed. And is, is it Austin Matthews or is it Mitch Marner? You make a decision and, and nine times out of 10, the center is always going to win. Yes. And it's like, sorry, Mitch, like, like, sorry. Like, I know you want your money. I know you want to get paid. I know you feel like you're just as good, if not better than Matthews. And like, sure. He's got the stats to back it up, but it's, it's about the position and the role on the team. Like, don't sit here and tell me that because Mitch Marner blocked two shots in game three of the first round that they ultimately lost, that he should be in the same realm as Austin Matthews. He was largely irrelevant in that series. Yes, he had he had a great game one and a good game three, and that was it. And and it's I get like it's it's hard for me. Like there's a couple different conversations for me. Like there's the compensation, and then it's like I get where Marner's camp's coming from, though. Like, you can't be like, oh, they're being ridiculous, they're being stupid, because, like I said earlier, Kyle Dubas kind of did it to himself. So I'm not feeling bad for Kyle Dubas. I'm not totally blaming Mitch Marner for for trying to get what he wants for the maximum amount of money, because when it comes to production, forget about other NHL wingers. Just think about the Leafs. Like, he's provided more for the Toronto Maple Leafs statistically for the past two seasons, and I, I get why he kind of sees himself at, at Matthew's level, but at some point, it's like, what, are we just going to have a bunch of scoring forwards on this hockey team? Like, if you can get back the highest currency in the National Hockey League with four first-round picks, you can go get something pretty special with some of those. And and sometimes, like, it's like, we need, we need defensemen. Like, I'm on that train. I'm not getting off it. This... I am just captain of that train. You got to do whatever you got to do to load up that blue line because you're not winning a goddamn thing until you do that. You're not wrong, Ryan. You're not wrong. I uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. Paul Marner. 
Paul Marner. Like they're in. Well, uh, <laughs> poor Paul Marner. Guy shoots his mouth off earlier about how Mitch should be considered for captain, and now it's room. What is it with these kids? Like I know they're all in their early twenties, but what is it with all these kids having their daddies involved in their negotiation? It's like I think really? social media has made it like I. I was thinking back. I'm sure guys in the 80s and 90s, when they were young kids signing their first deal, I'm sure their parents advised them. But it's just the fact that Mitch Marner's dad shot his mouth off, but it's all over Twitter, all over Instagram, all over every news media outlet. So you're so much more aware of it. And like, I get parents trying to to advise their children. I would do the same thing. If my kid was in the National Hockey League, I'd be trying to give them the best advice possible before he signs his first big contract. But, dude, you got to be careful shooting your mouth off in the media, especially in this market, because you just put a target on your back, bro. Like, you're like, yep. whoa. Yep. Now everyone's looking at you being like, you're Well, that's goof. what I'm saying, man. You go on social right now, and people are not like... It. If Mitch Marner ultimately leaves... First of all, again, I won't be mad. The con- If Mitch Marner leaves, that tells me that he doesn't want to be here, that his priority is getting paid, which that's not a criticism. If You're well within your right to want your money. But if he ends up leaving, I will not be that upset. Because, like I just said, it shows he doesn't want to be here. And because of the compensation we get back for him. So, I'm not going to sit here and take shots at Mitch or Paul or Darren Ferris or what have you. Like, it is what it is. You do you. This is the contract we're offering you. This is what we feel you're worth. To your earlier point, it's unfortunate that it's come to this point with him after Nylander and Matthews. Nylander was the guinea pig for this, and you're right. Dubas dropped the ball on that. I know there's people who are screaming at their phones or their car consoles or whatever they're listening to us on right now, the Nylander camp, who just are like, that's ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. Because you know what? At the end of the day, even though the cap didn't, really do anything that contract's going to get friendlier and friendlier over time so what have you but that was the chance to draw your lie in the sand and he didn't do it and now he's put himself in a place where he has to just dig his heels in and say this is what you're we're giving you and if you don't like it then go you're, you're either gonna some team is either gonna be dumb enough to give up four first round picks for you or you're gonna sit out the rest of the season sorry mitch yeah, it's just the whole Nylander situation. It's just, if you were going to play hardball with any player out of these guys, like, that was the guy to do it. Like, that was the guy to sit out for the year. Because he's the worst out of the bunch. He's the biggest bum out of the bunch. Agreed. So, that's why it's frustrating, oh God, too. It's like, now the Nylanderites on social right now who are just If you're still a your Nylanderite or whatever you just called them, if you're still a Nylander fanboy after he was last do- season. He was dominating the World Cup. Or the world championship, whatever shows the hell you it's what called. type of guy he yeah. is. He's yeah. a tryout hockey player. Like, yeah. he's a practice hockey player. The world what hockey it, championship, where, excuse where me. Where was he? Where was he in the seven-game series against the Bruins? What but was he Ryan, doing? He played in an international tournament that means nothing on big ice with little physical contact and dominated. Uh, of course he did. Of course, with no physical contact, William Nylander's the best player on the ice. No, if, I'm ha- if I'm assembling an all-star team of a non-contact game or series. William Nylander is my first pick. But, like, it, if you're still a Nylander guy after after all of this, like, I get the skills and tangibles, the, 
the 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 talent, but like uh, it only gets you so far in this league, bud. Like there's a lot of guys who could stick handle and score just as nice as you, and they play way harder than you do. You're one of the softest guys in the league, and I can't stand watching you play hockey. And you better have a hell of a year this year, or else it's coming down on you, Nikita Zaitsev style. Well, it wouldn't be an episode of Talking Buds without at least one of us sounding off on William Nylander. Sucks. Yeah. Anyways, um, I think that'll do it for today's episode, Rye. I will be back whenever this um, Marner contract debacle is resolved. I I have no idea what's going to happen. I feel like we're in for a long wait on this one. Like this will be the big talk. Like like we'll we'll be doing our episode ahead of the start of training camp and the number one thing we'll be talking about is what's going on with Mitch Marner. That's my prediction right now. That's my Man. totally unqualified take. Yeah, honestly. I don't I can't find an argument to to put against you on that. Like it's it's going to be a hard grind trying to figure this thing out. Everybody, thank you very much for downloading. Stick with us. We will be back here and there throughout the summer, and then going into next season, we'll be back full blast. We've got some tweaks and changes to the show we're going to make for next year, so hope you'll be ready to take all those in with us. We're trying. We're going to try and take Talking Buds to a new level next year. Ryan, are you excited? Yes, lots of things in the brainstorming compartment for me and you. A lot of ideas that are going to be laid out to try to make this Talk and Buzz experience a lot better and more enjoyable. Thank you very much for downloading, everyone, and thank you for sticking with us. We will be back. We will see you then. Hi, I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Every week since 2016, we've been bringing on broadcast leaders to talk about their experiences in radio, what they've seen, and where they believe it is all going. If you live and love radio, subscribe to the Sound Off Podcast with Matt Kundle wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.